Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there, and they say yeah. Lord, one great stacks and jacks. Half time, I'll hand on the board. SP Peter's up again, up 21. The SP Peter's up 68. We are all going to be rich. The market's going to keep going. Everybody sticks in their seven stocks that Kramer says that we should get into right now, even though that they're like on highs for the year. But those are the stocks you should take into your, if you just have those stocks, you will be rich. Beyond dreams of avarice, you never have to work again. It'll be just great. Do we have Kevin? Yes, but what, what if I want to work? Um, well, but it's, you know, you'd be one of the schlumps. <laughs> Mr. Schlump to you. Mr. Schlump, yes. Um, so now, can you name the magnificent seven stocks, and then can you name the people who are the original magnificent seven? Yeah, I was going to say I, I'm not sure I can name the entire magnificent seven, but uh, uh, do we do we want to go back to the seven samurai, or uh, are you just going to go with the magnificent seven? We'll movie? go with the stacks first. <laughs> okay, no, I can't tell you what those are. Well, these guys are going to control the world. If you don't have them, you're just you're just bleep out of luck. You know, Apple, Microsoft, Nvidia, Amazon, Meta, Tesla, and Alphabet. There you go. All right, I'm in. Give me, um, you know, give, me about five, give me about five thousand shares of each. How big's that check? Yeah, give me the. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. The uh, now back in the day there was something called. Well, actually, long it was before our time. Believe it or not, uh, there was something. I'm gonna try and get it up here. The uh, um, on the internet here. The it was the Morgan Stanley Nifty Fifty. And it was the stocks that if you just hung in there, uh, for, you got those for the rest of your life, you were, you were good to go. And uh, I'm going to say there were stocks in there that, uh, stuff like Polaroid, uh, Kodak, um, the, uh, let me see, the Economic Times, Nifty, I don't even know if you can find it anymore. See if you can find that, Andrew. See if you can find the Morgan Stanley Nifty 50. It was, it was like 1975 or something. And, uh, but they were all these stacks that I don't think any of them were even around anymore. A few of them probably are, but not very many. It was stuff like Univac and, uh, and uh, well, I know that Polaroid was their big one. And Polaroid just, they, they totally disappeared, right? But the, uh, anyway, the Magnificent Seven, I, I, could have got, I think I would have got five of them. Uh, Yule Brenner, Steve McQueen. Charles Branson, those guys I would have had. Robert Vaughn I knew. James Colbert I knew. I would not have gotten Horst Buchholz. That was Chico. And I remember, I remember Brad Dexter. He was a guy that always thought there was big money involved, and there never was. He was All right. A, Good he, job. Yeah. I'm reading this, but I, I could have. I remember five. The uh, And I know it was a Bill Brenner was supposed to be the big star, which he was, but Steve McQueen kind of stole the movie from him a little bit, didn't he? Remember? Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Um that uh, I, I'm now I, I want to go uh, I want to go watch it uh, next rainy day. Well, I know it was Robert Vaughn, right? Fresh out of uh, was he still doing Man from Uncle? Might have been, yeah, yeah. Might have still been doing that. 
with uh, uh, he's what's he, is he still with us? Because what's his name is uh, uh, the other way I guy he's still on NCIS once in a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, I- Ilya Kuryakin. Yeah, he was. Uh, I I think I I blasted out an email to all of you guys. Uh, um, you know, just fun stuff. But the the uh, opening to the Man from Uncle was really cool. So uh, you know, you you had. Uh, um, Robert Vaughn and uh, oh come on, what's uh, what's his name? Uh, I see the guy every week. Uh, he's been he's he's arguably the best dete- uh, spy kind of guy that's ever been on TV. The guy who's on a uh, Ducky and NCIS tells us. Yes, um, I'll find it. And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just totally blanking on his name, but uh, um, but uh, he's uh, uh, let me see NCIS. We'll pull it out of IMDb here. Um, and uh, da, 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 da. I wonder if he's still on. He's not in the credits. Yeah, show. he still comes on once in a while. Um, so we got we got spinoffs. We got more. We've got uh, uh, David McCall. David, David McCall. Before, yeah, before yeah. I even get there, yes. Yeah, before David I even get there, all I what a great was, uh, he was, was on. on it. He and there's there's another show. Robert Vaughn was supposed to be the big star. Yet if, if you ask any oldster who their favorite guy on there was, David McCall. Well, and and if you ask any of the uh, w- people who were young women at the time, he was dreamy. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, well, we love the Brit, so, Brit accent and the whole bit, you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, well, the Brit accent, but he played a Russian in that mo- in that show. Yeah. But he had. Uh, uh, then he, he went on. To, there was some other TV show he was on. He was a spy in there or something too. I forget the name of the other one. But uh, anyway, he was. Uh, been a great actor. For, he's got to be eighty something, still doing a. Oh yeah, easily. But anyway, it was uh, was those are those are good. He missed a good time last night. Mr. Flanagan was a show, uh, and uh, I told you, I told you he would. Yeah, he would. Uh, and Dan is a great you, guy. Don't, don't ever doubt me. Oh God, well, I doubt Flanagan, not you. A, you know. yeah. No, anyway. I, I think most people doubt me too. But oh God, <laughs> that, that's that's for for all kinds of uh, interesting reasons. Um, but, hey, uh, speaking of doubt, uh, just a, a couple of things. One thing I want to throw in because I'd like to follow up a little bit on some of your conversations um, from uh, yesterday. One is regarding recession. I am seeing a lot of companies cutting back on hours. A lot of hours um, that you're, uh, you know, we're starting to see manufacturing companies going to uh, like three-day work weeks. And uh, um, you know, I, I'm I'm just thinking this is not good, uh, and uh, it and it isn't just a a matter of a little bit. It's just it's a big manufacturing slowdown, and um, and and that has me very nervous about the economy. I think the economy is uh, slowing all over the place, Kevin. And I and, and now that anybody can define a recession, however they feel like it. Because uh, we, you know we don't have the, and we we've totally messed up anybody's anybody's thought of how the economy is doing with the amount of money that poured in. You can't, you almost can't use the normal sort of things to uh, you know to, to judge whether you're in one or not. You can't say uh, you know two quarters of of lower GDP because you poured so much money in, prices are up so much. And I and I have uh, my my worst fears, even though I was you know. <laughs> bitching at the people from AT&T last week. My worst fears have actually been realized on this inflation stuff. Because it, it has become embedded to the extent that the places that need approvals, your 
the, the, the Fed can decide they won't because all they care about is, is uh, the market staying up and people with, with fixed assets continue to make money, which is fine because as my clients are those people. Uh, but uh, all, all they care about is that. But they, have, they really have no clue of how bad this inflation is, is impacting people and still impacting people. And they can, they can cut the money supply down to where it was in 2000 and throw us into this huge depression and everything else. It's still not going to cut my phone bill that just went up 40% for stocks and jacks. It's still not going to cut your electric bill, which has you know, doubled over the last three years. And, every, and the natural gas, people are still paying $9 worth of natural gas, and it's 250 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, we're, not, we're not even, I don't think they have any, I, let's put it this way, I don't think they care, because I, I, I refuse to, to, to think they're, they're dumb human beings to get to, that, to get to that spot. They just don't care. Or all they care about is, it, it's like Erdogan. Erdogan gets in in Turkey, the guy's a disgrace. Yet, as soon as he gets in, of course, the Turkish, the Turkish lira takes a hit, the market runs up. It just it, it's it's a, all we care about is keeping the, the 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 asset bubble afloat. And at some point, I don't want to see the market go down thirty percent or forty percent or anything. But I know it's it, it, it just forever. It's not sustainable. It may, but it has been for quite a forever. So I mean, I, I you know, I'll take the fifth on that. <clears throat> not the fifth. I'll take whatever. I mean, it, I thought it would something would happen before this. I mean, this this whole this whole. Uh, Joke about them cutting back on on this stuff for for inflation. They're they're not even they're not even close to cutting anything back. I mean, they don't want to. I mean, if, if you look at the numbers, you can say they've cut back on the balance sheet and they've cut back on the money supply a little bit. The balance sheet's down, it doubled, and now it's down like five percent. Okay, fine. I mean, you can you can say that's progress, but you know, it sort of isn't. I gained four hundred pounds and I lost five. I guess it's I guess it's progress, you know. But I'm still a big fat so What can I say? You know, I didn't gain four hundred pounds, but. I mean, we're not even, but I don't know. I don't even know how you. You don't really want to keep talking about it because most people, all they want to do is buy the stocks. Kramer tells them why, and I and I see, I see people coming in. You listen to these people, and they're, and they're I'm going to say Jim Kramer's probably a very brilliant guy in terms of the people he knows, in industry. The guy's got an encyclopedia memory of everybody who's a chairman of every one of these companies, which I could care less about. Um, so I mean, it's not like you're talking about a dodo. I mean, he's not. Yet, obviously, if you listen to these guys, over last year you were in all these stocks. When the market went down, you got out of them. Now, all of a sudden, when they're back up to where they were, they want you back in them again. Kevin, I think I want the other side of that trade, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, that you know, and, and again, that's, that's stock market stuff, and to a large extent that's, that's indicative. But I really think it's the it, it's the economic activity that underlies it, and that's that's the part that has me nervous. Whatever else is going on with the market, you know, if I, I think especially on on the business channels, they talk too much about you know what's going on with the market as a measure of how good things are, because that's that's where the people in that you know on those shows make their living. But it's it that's not. You know, it's not the typical place that the economy operates. Well, I would say that ninety percent of the stocks are are either roughly unchanged or down. The stocks that you would think that is, if we were doing good, we the economy was doing good, you wouldn't see three M down fifteen twenty percent of the year. You wouldn't see Verizon down. You wouldn't see telephone. I mean, I mean those are not they're not sexy stocks. <laughs> Believe me, I don't I don't trade many of those things very often, but. But I mean, are, are we okay with 
seven firms being 50% of the, of the, of the market. Are we, are we okay with that? Evidently we are, as long as you got them and they go up. Yeah, I guess so. You know, this is it's one of the things I really like about Dan's segment on the show every Thursday, though, because he comes in and he talks about businesses that really are fundamentally sound, that are well run. That, you know, they're not they're not riding any waves. They're just uh, businesses that are out there, you know, doing their thing every day. And those are the you know that's the kind of activity that is going to tell us whether the economy is solid or whether we're uh, not. And I'm glad there are some, um, but there aren't that, you know, there aren't enough. And, well, and he, I, I, I do also, see a lot of them scaling back. Well, the good news is that Dan zeroes in on the preferreds and a lot of the bonds of these companies that are that are whole. But he also, he said yesterday, virtually every one of them stock prices down this year. You know, the companies are doing fine. But everything other than, other than the top seven... I mean, have you, I mean, you look at them and you go, "What the hell?" I mean, uh, I mean, these, these oil companies are, are are obliterated. I mean, they uh, it, it's well, let me just look at the uh, the XLE, which is the index, and the index doesn't look as bad as the other stuff. But this is all the all the big stacks. You know, we made it to where was our tippy top? And uh, last November we got to uh, roughly ninety ninety one eighty seven. Now we're we're seventy eight. Well, that's what fifteen percent down from the tops, and you know, and, and everybody last year at the end of the year, everybody wanted to be in oil. Well, if you're in oil, you're down fifteen percent. You're, you're banging on your money manager's head, saying, "What are we doing in oil? How come we're not in the other stuff?" Well, you don't want to be in the other stuff. I mean, it's a, it's it's a it's a very interesting time. UPS, we have a lot of stack of UPS that we protect for people because a lot of people work for UPS and they're up with a lot of stack. Uh, Two clients came in with a lot of UPS stack. No, thank God we've had puts most of the way down. Uh, stack was 208. This was two years ago. It's 167. All right, so it's down, what, what is that? That's 33, <clears throat> 41 bucks. It's, it's 25%. Wow. You know, I mean, so we, the idea that, that you know, the, 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 the regular economy is churning along and going great, like you're talking about, whatever, wherever, wherever place you look, I mean, you look at... Uh, because you have a much more better feel for it, you look at the manufacturing areas and you, things in your area, and, it, and a lot of that has to do with distribution, trucking, and <clears throat> some other stuff. Well, but no, it, no, I'm not even talking about the distribution part of it, though. But I mean, the, it, yes, uh, um, that that it, that will be part of it. Although there's a fair amount of uh, retail distribution that's part of it, and the and the and when, when when it comes to that, it's not. You know, we, we still have to buy things. Um, we, there, you know, discretionary stuff may fall off, but ultimately we still have we still wind up buying things. So that's not necessarily the problem, but uh, but it's really the uh, manufacturing activity that's first. And I, you know, I, I talk have talked before about the idea of microeconomies. So it may be more in this area. Certainly, we have a larger dependence on. Um, the RV industry, for example, than most places do, but it were not as de- as dependent as we once were, and that's what has me nervous. Well, I'm saying, uh, but you're, you're looking. I, at- c- I could tell you that the RV industry is slowing down, and you'd say, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense." Um, you know, high fuel prices, less discretionary income, etc. But then, if I tell you that. Um, you know, the plastics manufacturers and so on are slowing down. That's a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, well, that's what I'm saying. Depending, uh, you're looking at those areas, and 
which which should have, have their finger or their thumb right on the pulse of the economy, right? But I I, I look at uh, you know somehow or another I talk to people all the time. I look at individual people and I and I try and find try and find a person in the last three years if you put any kind of a real inflation number on there that has gotten a raise higher than the inflation number. Try and find anybody. I, I, I challenge you. <laughs> These places with the new, the new contracts that, uh, you know, they got a 5% something out of the gate and 15% over four years, you're behind. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm close. I mean, so so if I, I look at that, and yet you can say, okay, the, uh, the, jobs number, the jobs numbers are good. No way we can be in a recession with a 3.5% unemployment rate. Yeah, you can. I mean, if you, you know, if you're, uh, if, if you have to keep, you know, if you have to downsize your house, all of a sudden, you know, the, you know, the electric bill, the gas bill, and, and the taxes are up to where you got to sell your place and move somewhere else. I mean, this, these aren't, you know, these are not catastrophic. These aren't, these aren't yet like the, you know, the 1930s where people lost their savings and so forth. But if if you strip the the wealth gain in the market this year out of out of the income, I don't know, I don't know where you're at. And, that, and it's and it's that can be easily lost, you know, because nobody nobody will ever want to sell it on the high, you know, nobody will ever get back, give back anything, uh, or I mean, ever lighten up because you know everything's going to the sky. All you do is turn TV, and I keep telling you that. But I, I'm not, I don't want the market to go down, Kevin. I would, I, would I, I always say that the reason why, but what bothers me is if it runs up when it maybe it shouldn't, and some of these like two thousand other times, I know people lose more on the way down than they make on the way up, and everybody every time I say that I know. How many people are listening? Are going to say, "What is this guy talking about?" You know, I'm up fifty bucks on the crap table, and now I'm now I'm back to break even. It's it's not the same thing because you don't you don't margin on the crap table, right? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Uh, you don't. You don't. You that don't, would that would be interesting, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. We, we, you, don't, <laughs> you don't. You don't borrow against the fifty bucks you've got on the crap table for something else for a boat, and then all of a sudden lose the fifty bucks. Yeah. How many legs would get broken over that? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so I mean, it's it. Uh, you know, it just I, I think that you see, you know, some of these cities. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here in Chicago, but I tell you what, the, the Taylor Swift's an app phenomenon. I don't. I know she, I see her in the commercials. She's an attractive lady. I've never seen her uh, perform. But guess what they did yesterday? This is this is boy. These guys are geniuses. There's going to be like I don't know how many thousand people at Soldier Field. Like she she two nights Andrew or three. She's at least two, I think. And uh, so they opened the place up yesterday. Just for merchandise. So if you didn't want to wait in the line when you're going to the concert to buy your hats and all that, whatever the hell you buy, you could go yesterday. They had a huge crowd yesterday. It's buying stuff. <laughs> I, you know, some people have money. Good for them. Some people have money. I, I, you know, I guess no matter what you are, I, here's, you know, not being a father, I don't, you know, I suppose I should get out here, but it seems like one thing's for sure is people don't see them, they don't ever want their, I, see, I think that people who are making as a group, when I say a group, husband and wife, you know, if they are making the one one fifty to two fifty a year, uh, living in the burbs and have, and have a, I think their comfort level is dropping as fast as the people making fifty, because uh, taxes, bills, those kinds of things, education, I think inflation affects everybody. You know, it's plus, you know, if you need a decent car, well, seventy five grand or so to buy one's kind of a lot. Uh, I think they're, but it seems like nobody, nobody's, nobody's turning the kids off. I mean, if you want to, if you want five hundred bucks to go see Taylor Swift with one of your friends, here it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I don't think the kids kind of, kind of feel this yet. Do you? 
in, in some uh, of these areas. Well, probably not. You probably, uh, you know, I mean, that, you know, there's a shift in parenting where parents, you know, that's happened over the years where parents don't aren't very good at saying no to their children. Uh, dads are particularly bad at saying no to their daughters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I can vouch. Um, and I think my son will probably vouch for that, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, yeah, I, it, you know, it's it's where the money goes. What must we have? What, you know, and, and priorities are out of whack. I mean, there's there's just a whole lot of stuff that over, you know, what have we done to society over recent years? I mean, you just think of that. Um, you know, we, we just keep throwing, you know, oddball stuff out there. We're normalizing stuff that isn't really normalized. And, and this will get us into DEI, which we'll probably have to do after the break. Um, but, uh, uh, it, it, and, and I, I don't, you know, let me, let me put it this way. When it comes to some of that kind of stuff, I just don't care. Please well, stop trying to make me care. <laughs> you yeah. know? But, but, um, but uh, it, really, when it when it comes down to it, um, the, these last few years have uh, especially have just made a such a significant societal shift, mostly for the bad. Yeah, mostly for um, the bad. And and you know, I mean, behaviors that you know the the mental development for young children, the learning development for young children. The, you know the number of people now so how are we going to you know how are we going to teach them we know we've given them a bad deal so are we you know do we as adults feel guilty about that does our guilt how does that affect how we make our decisions about our kids and you start getting into all of this stuff and i, I don't think it, you know we're 10 years away from really understanding how profound that shift was and how how truly screwed up our response to uh, COVID was and, and what the longer term implications are. We know what was wrong with the short term. We know how it hit the economy. We know all of those things. I mean, you know, uh, how many times on this show did we sit here and say, we are doing everything wrong? Well, except, <laughs> yet, except for. And yet we did. But, but, but look at the messages that it sent out. And I, I, uh, I'm really kicking myself for not being longer for my clients. I mean, obviously, it can't be too long at all now. I mean, <laughs> there's no way it can be too long. It's, it's you know, it's like you can't be too rich, right? Uh, uh, or too thin. Or too thin, yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I, should, I, I, I have this feeling. I've had it all along, and I haven't acted on it because it makes, it makes absolutely no sense economically. Yet I know it's going to happen, Kevin. We just came off of a, a COVID situation, an economic shutdown where our creatures engineered a market rally to make everybody like feel good or something. So today, when these, when these labor numbers come out, nobody's looking for numbers. The, the, the thing that will send the market even double where it is higher today is a bad number. Because I, I read this article from some guy six months ago, and I looked at it and I said, this makes all the sense in the world. Yet some part of my brain says, this can't be right. This, this is so screwed up, it can't be right. But the article had to do with if we have a recession, what you're starting to describe, and which I'm seeing, and which a lot of people are seeing, uh, even a bad one, the market's going to go straight up. That, that's, what, that's what people have been taught. Because the first thing that the Fed's going to do, rather than let you know, Tesla's stock go down and Elon Musk lose money again, those people are controlling the place. The, they're going to pour enough money into the system. If we, if we become another turkey, they'll do it or Argentina or Venezuela. They're going to pour enough money in to save 
assets. So if there's a recession, the market will actually go up. And I'm reading this thing going, this makes, this is, this is bizarro world. Yet, you know what, Kevin? I think the dude's right. And I'm surprised, I'm mad at myself for not, for not acting on it. Well, and yes, because we refuse to take our medicine. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I said there's to take our medicine. You know, I can't. We'll take our drugs, but we won't take our medicine. Even, 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 and, and the drugs yeah. are all of, you know, are the Taylor Swift stuff. The, you know, it's all of that stuff that makes us feel good. But the uh, the the medicine is the hard work of getting this all reined in and on track. And and you know what? There's such pain to that that even if we could get the leadership that had the the balls to do it, they'd never get elected. They're, well, they're going to have a hard time making it happen. But aside, for, even aside from that, that's just all that's going to do is get you thrown out of office quickly. Well, I mean, we're talking. They push this thing that everybody's cheering. Well, I'll say this: for so, somehow or another, uh, I think it's a positive. Not to be Mister Doggy Down or all. I think it's a positive that somehow or another, the president and the the head of the party to. President and the head of the party that controls the House Representatives are two different parties. Everybody knows that. They were able to talk and, and come up with some sort of a deal, which I think is pretty much candy ass. But they came up with some sort of a deal. It seems to be they at least were able to. Most people think this is the first. I can't imagine, you know, Trump and Nancy Pelosi pulling that off. I just can't. They've been there. They've been so much name calling back and forth. It couldn't possibly have been done. So there is there is some. Even though I'm not a real fan of either one of these dudes, the fact is, I think Kevin, there's some progress there that these guys were able to sit in a room like human beings, and and have their staffs work on stuff and come up with something. So I, I I'm not I'm not saying I want to go buy Nvidia because of that, but but I mean I, I I think that that is somewhat of a positive. Even even if you want to hold your nose at what they came up with, they basically just kicked it to pass the election, which means by the time the election comes up, we're another trillion dollars in the hole. Yeah, I'm with you on on that part. That that and what a what a you know we we just stuck a, a, a you know a plug in the in the in the finger in the dike in, in Holland right, uh, hoping that the one leak is the only one we've got. But we know it did nothing for anybody. I mean, basically, might have done a little bit, but the fact oh, that they no, I I think it was a negative personally. But well, I mean, there is there. I know it's all accounting BS, but you know, some money was taken off the table. Some idea that when you give money out to people, they have to be something in return. I don't know. I didn't read it. Uh, maybe right, Carol. But we really don't have a debt ceiling until after the election, and then we'll take it up again. Well, but we don't. We don't. We, you know, that we haven't had a debt. I mean, when I say we have one, but we've never paid attention. It was seventy-nine times we just raised it. Well, yeah. It's okay. So I guess I guess that you're right. It doesn't matter. Does it doesn't it? matter. I mean, we're we're, we're just we're just going to raise it no matter what. But I, because I, of course we would never default, even though on June fifteenth we have a whole bunch of tax receipts that'll come in, and uh, and we would be able to pay it. So. You know, Kenny talked about this when when he was on on Tuesday. They're not, you know, they're, they're not going to default. If they do, it's a conscious decision to default, saying, "Well, that's not a priority. We're gonna, you know, we have all kinds of well, other spending." Well, every every day, and I know governments are not like households, even though some people keep saying that they are. Uh, every day, we borrow what a million, ten million bucks to pay off. Nine, we always borrow extra because we need more. So until that stops, I mean, the, the million dollars. What did, what did Greg say? It was forty and a half seconds for the million dollars on the debt clock. I bet on Monday after this whole this big you know 
after the president signs the bill, what's it going to be? Well, none of it's happened yet, probably. But even if it did, what's it going to be, 41 seconds? I mean, we're still talking 30% to 35% they're spending more than they're taking in. That's, that's unconscionable, Kevin. I mean, it's, we're not even close. I mean, if, if it was, if we, if, you know, if we were growing as a, as a society and all of a sudden our growth rate was 4% and our, our, our rate of our debt rate was 25 you know what? I, I would never bitch about it. I'd rather I'd rather it not be two and a half. But at the end of the day, every every day it gets a little less of a problem, right? But we're not there yet. Every day it gets a little more of a problem. And this thing, and and if I was to go on national TV and say to the good-looking people on TV, I don't know how I'd fit in. Uh, if I were to say, you know, this is going to be a problem down the road, the first thing five people are going to say, "Hey, buddy, you've been saying that for ten years. It hasn't been a problem yet." And it, and I'm not so sure it hasn't been, Kevin. But it, you know, has the has the cliff been on the path that I've been warning people about? No, the cliff hasn't been there. We haven't fallen off the cliff yet. Quit talking about it. I mean, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it, so I mean, and you you can point out other places where, we, where it's happening. We go back. We go back to the title of one of the shows earlier this week. Slowly and then suddenly. Yeah, like that. Yeah. SP futures up twenty three. Nasdaq futures up eighty four. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 21, up 77. We're gleeful, gleeful. We had a one-down day this week, and we sure as hell uh, smacked those schmoes in the face that sold. Uh, you don't want to do that. Dow Futures up 171. Individual stacks in the Dow. We got Caterpillar up 440. That's a big number. I got everything in the Dow is green. Uh, Goldman Sachs up 294. I don't see a, there's not a red mark in the pre market in the Dow stacks. Uh, Costco's down 354. It's the only red, red, red blotch I see here anywhere in the page. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't, it might probably gonna stay green all day, I would think, unless there's a really uh, shocking number one way or the other. Uh, and Nikkei up 376. These guys bounce back 1.21. They've got to be uh, back up to 20 year highs easy. Uh, Hang Seng, which has been getting its butt kicked, is up 4%, 733. Uh, Shanghai up 25.8%. Gains in property and consumer stocks. Two days ago, uh, they were having enough of a problem with property, and all of a sudden the property stocks, whatever it was, it's over. I don't know about that, but uh, DAX up 185, 1.1%. FTSE up 70.9%. A lot of our rally came later in the day, so well, this is catch up. CAC up 91, 1.3%. Big rally over there. Um, some Swedish property group is up uh, 30%. So, I mean, that's, again, it's, it's a property thing. I, I didn't think those things were coming back that quick, but they seem to be today. Uh, Dow yesterday was up 153, S&P up 41. That's a big move. That's 1%. NASDAQ up 165, 1.3%. Just, there's no top to this. Uh, U.S. 10-year on change 3.60. The Bund up 3 basis points, 2.28. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.42. We've got oil. Uh, back over 70, up, up a dollar eight. It's one and a half percent, 71.18. Rent up 109, 75.37. Natural gas up a penny, 216. Arbob up three cents, 247. We've got gold. We had a nice rally yesterday. It's up another dollar 20 today, 1996, pushing a pushing a 2,000 door here. See if it breaks through. Silver up three cents, 24.01. Copper up five cents, 376. I still have a lot of people in gold and silver. It was a big day for those guys yesterday. Thank God. Uh, Bitcoin up 258, just a little over 27,000. 27,113. But it's been really steady in this high 26, a low 27,000 range, kind of for a while. U.S. dollar, which has been all over the place, uh, was first it was real weak or strong, and then it got weaker again. But today, pretty much flat before these numbers. Uh, Euro 107.6 and the uh, British pound 1.252. Andrew, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 
Alright, it is, uh, let's see, it is 6.40 here in Chicago on uh, June 2nd. Starting off with some sports uh, and some games from the, uh, looks like the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks played against the Rockies 5-2-4. Looks like that's about it for sports today, at least for... Yeah, the NBA. Yeah, going over to basketball, exactly. We got the Nuggets against the Heat, and the Nuggets won 104-93. to now over to Chicago weather, it is currently 63 degrees, mostly sunny skies today. We're going to have a high of 86, and that'll hit somewhere between 1 to 4 p.m. Over in Phoenix are at 72 degrees, clear skies. They are at a uh, uh, high of 94 today, and that's going to hit around 5 p.m. Now finally for Chicago traffic, just one accident to report. That's on the inbound Dan Ryan. Uh, looks like it's right near uh, local lanes west before Pershing Road. That's causing some pretty heavy delays from about 47th Street all the way to West Garfield Boulevard. Other than that, the other inbound roads are experiencing some heavy delays, but it's a Friday, so it's a little bit lighter. So that's all I got. Yeah, Thursday is the new Friday. Thursday is the new Friday. So, Kevin, how come the, the, the pattern of the NBA, which was kind of every other day, are they going to try and string this out to like Christmas now or what? Are the next game's not till Sunday and the next game's not till next Wednesday? What's going I on? I think it's a really big problem for them, uh, it, it, especially when you get teams that aren't from the real major markets um, and you still want people to watch. I, I, I can't believe that they crap all over their, their marquee event like this, but they do. Yeah, I don't. I mean, every other day it seemed like it would, I was getting into that pattern for the other playoffs. I was actually looking forward to the games, and now I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing Sunday. <laughs> I don't know if I'm watching or not. I mean, you, you, plus, they waited how many days before they had the game last night? Well, that wasn't too bad because they went to Game Seven in Boston, but they were going to wait regardless because everybody's got their uh, uh, travel. You know, all the press and all the media have all their travel schedules, have their everything blocked off. So that's all accommodation to media uh, as to why they do that but nevertheless um, you know it's it, 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 they're doing it you know we're, we're closing in on halfway through the baseball season nobody's interested anymore unless you're you know a Miami Heat fan or you're a Denver Nuggets fan the rest of us are sort of okay let me know when you have a game if I'm not doing anything I'll watch I'm, um, I'm watching it because I like I like uh, Jimmy Buckets and I can't believe we got rid of him. And I, I even though you you say it wasn't the world's worst trade, I'm sure it wasn't. Still, well, it wouldn't have been if they if they had the uh, self discipline to stick with some of the players they got in return. Um, but they did. So um, I'd much so rather I, watch him play than who's this guy we got now? Is Levine? Who's supposed? Oh to be yeah, I, I think he's a way better player than uh, yeah. than Levine. And but uh, you know, Chris Dunn, uh, Lowry Markkinen, and uh, Zach Levine was a pretty good return for a player who wasn't established as a star yet at that point either. Right. He was he was very good, but he wasn't established as a star. So, you know, I, I think there it, it wasn't a god awful trade. Um the the mistake that they made was that they tried to uh they gave up too soon on on very young players. I mean you, you go ahead and draft these guys you know, after one year in college, and uh, and then give up on them after two or three. Well, when you change and, coaches, and you watch you... they'll you watch they'll make the same mistake with uh, um, uh, Patrick Williams. Um, whenever you switch coaches every two years, they always want their own people, and you always there's always somebody that gets tossed out with the bathwater that you don't want to get tossed out. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Hey, uh, before we go into uh, what you were wanting to talk about, because we got some time here, the more I think about, I was sort of thinking on my. 
well, I was thinking of my ass yesterday during the show about where this name, image, and likeness might head. And now my, my economic business mind has been turning this over now pretty much all, all night. I think, I think, I think I'm right, Kevin. Uh, that, that at the end of the day, there's going to be some companies that just manage all this. And if PTI wants a star college end or quarterback or deep back or whatever the hell it happens to be, could be a tackle, I guess. If we have a seminar and, and we have people at dinner, we want somebody to give a 20-minute talk, and we want the Notre Dame quarterback or Northwestern quarterback, or if we have a booth at some big show, and uh, or for that matter, uh, the um, if we have the, the the two ladies from uh, Georgia, I don't know what they've been doing, the uh, that have become big modeling stars. If we want to have them come and talk about what the modeling industry is like and what's how it's been for them, I think there's going to be a, a one of ten numbers I call and say this is what I need. And I don't think anybody's going to care what school they come from. It's just all about, well, I guess if you're in Alabama, it's probably an Alabama kid. Maybe not. I mean, if you're here, it might be a Notre Dame or Northwestern Illinois kid. Maybe not. Uh, I, I suppose if, if I had a, a thing where people from all over the country and I had, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Southern Cal quarterback, he'd be just as big of a speaker star as the Notre Dame quarterback, maybe better. So, I mean, I, I think people, the people are going to control the marketing for these people uh, I think that's just going to be a regular place, and they're going to get paid from them, and those places are going to be very profitable. Well, because that, but that, that's different than the collective setup that they have now, which I, I and and I would endorse that. I, I think that's a that would be a way better deal because these collectives are tied to a university. Well, what, no, what, and you're and you're right. There is no reason that they have to be. I mean, basically, you're just a talent agent, just like just like any everybody else has in in I, the entertainment industry. I think, though, Kevin, it, it might end up like old Hollywood, where you were you were signing a contract to the guys. Like the group will have a thing for the offensive line at Notre, Notre Dame. I, I kind of misspoke. Where they're going to they're going to pay those kids fifty grand a year to be at their beck and call, but the same firm. Well, that's have what the they're doing now. I know, that's that, what they're doing now. What I'm saying is it's not going to be this God country and Notre Dame BS. The same firm is going to be paying the offensive line in Iowa, too. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and, and the, the, again, that that would be even a better arrangement because and, – and I don't doubt that some of these, uh, you know, the people who are running the collectives are getting their skin out of this, too. Well, you and, have to. You know, yeah, you, you have to or you're not you, – you know, otherwise where's, where's all that money going to come from? But, um, you know, pe- people, don't, people don't throw it down the black hole indefinitely, not knowingly. Uh, well, you, so, let's put it this way. It's not tax deductible. I mean, for, for, I mean, just think of it as, as if it's your business. If, you know, even Brady Quinn's business. If, if if he called you and I up and we were flush and we were idiots, and we we gave him a million bucks to do this, so Notre Dame has has players. Okay, well that's that's fine, but it w- we would hope that if he sends somebody out to the pizza joint for five grand, that he's only given the player four. If he if he gives it all to the player, and, and, and oh by the way, he gives the money we gave him to the player. But the next year, he's going to call us up. I need another million. We go. What, what kind of business is that? You need a million every year. And it's not even tax deductible. I, I don't think that one flies too far. Do you? No, I, I don't think it does either. And I think that you know that that's the problem with the uh, the current type of arrangement. I mean, it's it's the same people that were throwing a lot of money into um, in, into athletic departments anyway. Some of it under the table. Some of it straight up to booster via booster clubs. But it, nevertheless, it, it you know it's it's going to morph into something that 
will make a whole lot more sense because it doesn't make any sense the way it is now. Well, it, it it'll make, make more sense. It doesn't make economic sense. But it, it'll it make now. sense. Unless, unless you're just really considering the players to be employees of the uh, of the universities. Okay, but take it, take it which one step. essentially what the setup is right now. But, but take it one step further. If you and I are own this company, okay, and, and we go get the Southern Cal quarterback to give a talk, we're right back into the crap name, image, and likeness that was the problem before. If the kid shows up in his, in his Southern Cal jersey with his Southern Cal cap on, and, and the kid is essentially selling the university, and the university gets nothing, we're right back into the part where, what about us? The that's going to be a huge fight. Right? Why, well, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, uh, I'll go back to John's brother, it's one thing to say that it, it's wrong to not let Paul Nigerian be a model with, with a flannel shirt on in the, in the Kmart ad and say you own his likeness. That's not right. But I'm not so sure you get to put a starting uh, linebacker for the University of Cal on that ad without giving something to, to Cal. Right? I, I agree, but what are they getting? They're getting free labor. Well, okay, but I'm saying they're they're they're, they're not they're gonna not gonna like us paying, you know, PTI paying ten grand for some quarterback to talk, and he shows up in his Notre Dame uniform. Essentially, he's he's representing himself as the Notre Dame quarterback, and Notre Dame doesn't get a dime. I I, I bet that goes off like a fart in church. Yeah, what I'm saying though is they do get a dime. They, Where they, well, they they get a starting quarterback yeah, for, yeah. for the for the mar, uh, marginal cost of let, having him in the in, at the university. Let me say that the Notre Dame that you and I know will not be happy with that. <laughs> well, they're never happy. But no, they, they want they want right. their skin. All right, so you were away. saying you had something you want to talk about? Oh yeah, I, I just wanted to follow up a little on the on the DEI stuff, and the you know this is how I discuss it and frame it in terms of leadership, and and one of one of the common themes that my students get out of me. Um, from a management standpoint is I really want you to do things because they're the right thing to do. However, I can convince you that it's also the smart thing to do. And this is where all of these DEI initiatives fall down because many of them are not the smart thing to do. They, you know, we've talked before about othering and the whole idea that we have to separate people into groups and so on. Whereas business success is really all about, you know, teams. And, and teams doing really well, teaming at the at the group small group level, teaming throughout the company, and that's that's how businesses work at their best. Um, so what what do I mean by this? Well, you got to look at bias in in two ways. There's explicit bias. This is the straight out open in, in open up uh, bigotry um, and and bias that gets expressed, and you see that sometimes, but not as often. Um, not as often. The bigger problem is implicit bias. This is the this is the bias about how we react to people based on what we observe. How do I react to a black man? How do I react to you know, uh, a, uh, um, a Hispanic person who clearly is speaking English as the second language? How do I react to women? How do I react to gays? And and there are some businesses that were really. It's a non-issue. I worked at Better World Books for nine years. I am telling you that place um, was a model in that respect because it didn't matter who you are, and we had everything there, I mean, visibly every every kind of uh, you know quirk or difference or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
and and it was just part of the culture. Nobody cared. Why does that? Why does um, everybody, Kevin? Not to interrupt a little bit. All I just did. Why does why does everybody? Every time there's this thing about uh, one group not liking another, we've been I use the term brainwashed. We've been brainwashed into thinking that there's there's always a a, a, a color thing to this. There's a, no, there isn't. Well, and it yeah, isn't it, all color. It, the, it, it the, isn't the, all color. The Irish couldn't stand the Lithuanians when they went and played basketball with them on the yeah. south side. They're, they're all white. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I and, and and I think you're right. And it this is this is really where implicit bias comes in. So what what you have to learn to do is recognize it when you do it, and start learning to say, well, so what? You know, it, it, it lose it. Now I'll give you a good example of me and implicit bias. I see someone in the store wearing a mask. I think, idiot. Well, uh, yeah, and uh, or and, or and sick, maybe, and, or maybe and maybe, sick. I, and maybe I should, um, because I do think it's idiotic. But maybe I need to learn to let go and just say, ah, so what? You know, why? Or maybe care? maybe they actually have some kind of disease where they have a problem. They don't, they want to make sure they don't catch anything. Right. But but what you what you have to do and and to be an effective leader what you have to do is you have to start learning to check your implicit bias to recognize it and drop it as quickly as you do and it becomes a habit and it becomes something you do why is this important because you want to have a great place to work for anybody who comes to you why you know why does it make business sense it makes business sense because if you if you just start working a turnover model um, and and say um, you know, if if anything I do that makes it a, makes my place a great place to work is going to lower my turnover level, and you can start drawing productivity curves and say every time I get turnover, I take someone who's more productive because of experience, and I replace them with someone who has no experience and they're less productive. So I, you know, if I have a high rate of turnover, I'm at a constant state of low product uh, low productivity employees because I, I've got. I got to keep replacing them. So that's that's part of the business model. Uh, the other part of the business model is if you have the best place to work for people who otherwise feel marginalized when they go to work, then you're going to be able to get the best people to come there. You're going to build a reputation as an employer uh, that you that you have a great place to work. And if I and then if I can pick, I mean. You know, give me, uh, um, you know, let me hire out of the top 20% of, uh, you know, one-armed single dads. I w- if I can hire out of the top 20 or 25% of those consistently, I'm going to do really well. I'm going to have my pick of, of whoever I want. So that's part of the model as well. None of this requires these big DEI initiatives and specific, and big programs and all of this engineered crap. It doesn't require any of that. It requires that you that people start to learn how to just recognize their own biases and learn to drop them. And it's a, it's a pretty simple construct that we insist on making difficult. Well, most people, uh, I would say virtually all people, somewhere today are going to make a visit to the can. Do you really need regulations? Do you really need procedures? Do you really need somebody watching? Do you really need to be inspected? I mean, it's at some point... The government is just too intrusive. They're, they 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 need to get a regular job. I mean, it's, I, one, or you know, one thing my my stepfather, who came from an area on the south side of Chicago that was traditionally very biased uh, for a lot of whatever implicit reasons that they thought, but I none of the reasons I 
would say really hold water, but for whatever and yet, it doesn't he, matter why. Yeah, but he was it's, never. It's, but he said one thing about the army. It says you you learn to work with people you don't like. You, he goes, you're never going to like them, but you you learn because you have a common goal. You figure out a way to make it work where everybody does what they're supposed to do, and even if you don't necessarily head to the same bar after work, you still accomplish stuff during the day. And it, there's there's a lot to be said for that. We're not we're not, we're not asking the the uh, the Irish and Lithuanians to hang out in the same saloon at night. We're just asking them to work together to put the rail car together, right? Right, and 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 not, and not punch each other during the day and act like human beings. We're not, we're not, well, you know. Yeah, and there's there's a concept called feeling tone, and and this is just, you know, the, the how you walk away from interactions with other people, uh, and and the comfort level. So you know, it, it, it's it's are you comfortable? Are you normal? Do you treat? Are you treating people? You know, the same way no matter who they are, or are you patronizing, or are you wary, or all you know those kinds of things? And you just, you know. The, the, the whole learning process is just learning how to treat people uh, like n- normal human beings. And, you know, I'd like to think we'd raise, raise kids to do that. Um, and a lot of people do. And, and it's not even an, it's, it's not an issue at all with them. But, uh, but to the extent that it is, you don't need a program. No. You don't need to spend millions and millions of dollars. And certainly you don't, you know, if, if we're scoring people on, you know, on their DEI scores, that's nonsense because it's going to show up in their profitability, and so it doesn't. You know, you don't have to worry about that. If if, if you aren't running a place that is uh, that is open to all kinds of people, you're not going to do as well. well except, you just can't. Except you can't Kevin, do what, it. Think of it as what you're describing, and we only got a minute here. What you're describing is what I constantly, essentially, bragging about on the show. You're talking about a competitive world. You could you could give a speech. Well, you just said you could you could teach a class in Milton Friedman. <laughs> well, I'm saying you could teach a class in Milton Friedman's room because he would say you don't have to worry about this stuff because people will figure out that it makes bad business sense to exclude people that 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 will do a good job for you and help you out. I mean, because that that just makes and, and if your competitor picks these people up, guess what? You're going to get your ass kicked. I mean, but but now all of a sudden there isn't a whole lot of competition, Kevin, and I, and I don't know. You know, everybody seems to think that you have to force people to do this because maybe they're, I, I don't know, the banks think that they're in comp- little banks think they're in competition with other people. I don't know, do you, uh, you think Citadel thinks they're in competition with somebody? They own the goddamn business. Well, and, you, and know, a good I mean, exa- you know, you bring up the banks, and it's a good example of them trying to uh, engineer something and, and what the cost of that can be. Because if you go back, um, CRA passed in the Carter administration. Uh, the uh, Community Reinvestment Act, and basically that the law was created to outlaw redlining, which was which is a really you know it's a, a bad and a wrong and an unethical practice. Okay, so you know so good, good job, good for you. But if you fast forward to the uh, Clinton administration, he knew he could get his fair ho- or his uh, affordable housing quote uh, initiatives. Um, through uh, a Republican Congress, so he had the Treasury change its examination criteria for CRE or CRE CRA, um, and as a result, this started forcing um, you know a lot of the banks to do more uh, to make riskier loans uh, in 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 you know in, in 
all kinds of areas where, because they had a footprint there. And where this really showed up was every time somebody wanted to do an acquisition, the, uh, uh, the community organizers would get involved, everybody had a chance to do their comments on it, and next thing you know, we are doing set-asides of X billion dollars uh, for uh, uh, low-income loans, and, and that's great. Well, all of a sudden, we have so much money set aside, everybody wants to set up a mortgage company so that we can do uh, low-income loans and, uh, and get people uh, you know, in, into homes, which may be a noble goal, but you know, we were we we're basically made it easy to give people loans that they couldn't afford to pay back. You think uh, I... and, and and at terms at terms that you know it, that were fine at the start, but you know as soon as you got your first uh, rate adjustment, you were kind of screwed. You know, everybody was going into balloons. All of this. In in other words, what I'm saying is, what started out as legislation that was really aimed at something narrow, wound up being. Uh, you know, lighting the candle for the big meltdown in 2000. Well, we also, I would like to see an audit of all community organizers. That would be Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a whole... Yeah, well, there, a, Kevin, we got a dash a, here, buddy. A different but related <laughs> issue. SP Futures up 20, NASDAQ Futures up I think all these bills benefit the people that they're supposed to benefit. They're not supposed to benefit the people at the end of the chain that they, that they sell you they're supposed to benefit. They benefit the people along the way. The thumbs in the pie. S&P futures, they like said, okay. up 20. We'll be right back. Uh, Mr. Carl Jenner, Denninger, we got the labor numbers half hour, so that'll be our big topic. We'll be right back. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 20 and SF Futures up 81. We're just, every every day we're just going to be richer. Can't think of anything better, Carl. I assume you've you've been locked into the magnificent seven stocks. Your buddy Kramer says you should be in at these prices. Now they're all like at all-time highs. Oh, I, you know, I think it's a great idea to go out and buy some NVIDIA this morning. Yeah. Well, uh, how long? How long? I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, that's, you know, it's it's the new tulips. And and the amusing part of this is I, I happened to be at a conference discussing AI. It was uh, part of the keynote panel yesterday. <laughs> so you got you got me coming from a hotel room here on uh, on a tethered connection. It's, okay. It appears to be stable. Let's hope it stays that way. Yeah, we can hear, we can hear you pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know it's it, well, you know Zoom. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, they're, they they do have a few things right, right. And, uh, and this would be one of them. Yeah, I am. I am blown away by some of the things that uh, I'm seeing lately. I mean, I, I heard part of your last hour uh, conversation. You know, the whole thing about the debt ceiling and uh, you know the government. You have all these these guys on both sides uh, cackling, especially on the GOP side, cackling about. Well, you know, we actually, in inflation-adjusted terms, we we actually got concessions and we got cuts, right? You got Lindsey Graham screaming that, oh, that means that you know we're not going to spend what we need to spend on defense because we we haven't spent we haven't sent enough money over to Ukraine yet. We need to send some more. Uh, yeah, well, and yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, the warmonger is going to war, right? So, uh, but there's a problem with this. There's a clause. They try it. By the way, there was an amendment to strip it. Attempted last night in the Senate. It failed. Um, there's a clause in there. I think the number is section 245. I, I read I read the bill as soon as it hit the, the uh, press servers that allows all the PAYGO provisions to be waived at the exclusive decision of OMB, which of course is a presidential appointment, um, which means it's at Biden's decision. And, and the Bill specifically provides that this decision is non-reviewable by anyone. What 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 are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm mis- what are these? This okay, is, okay, back back up okay. just a bit. So, so there is all right. I'll uh, yeah. So there is a provision in most appropriations bills called PAYGO. PAYGO says that if you do something within a program that increases its cost, you must cut something out of something other some other program or you must raise a tax okay you have to pay for it basically all right so 
and and Pago has been around for quite a long, long time, and it's it's in most appropriations bills these days, and it's it's a crude but somewhat effective attempt to stop an administration from just saying, oh, well, I have borrowing authority, therefore I'm going to go run the open checkbook. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the unlimited visa card that uh, we happen to call the American taxpayers' uh, credit account. And there's all these rescissions. If you read the, the bill, there's you know, the, the first you know, 20 entries are basically rescission this, rescission this, taking money back out, a lot of which was COVID-allocated funding that was never spent. All right, so you're not actually cutting anything. You're just saying, well, you know, the reason that we did this in the first place now is declared as. So you, so you had a. Therefore, we're not going to do it. You had a trillion dollar bill. You you would allocated. You spent nine hundred. The other, which is what counts. I think you told me last week that only the cash part makes it into the budget deficit. But there's other hundred million kind of right. sitting out there that maybe could be spent. Now you're saying if we haven't spent it by now, we're never going to spend it. Let's pull it back, and that. It's not allocated anymore. We it, it doesn't really make a difference to the the P and L every month because it wasn't spent in the first place. But in terms of what future allocations, it's off the table. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's that's basically the deal. I mean, it's like you you say, you know, in your household, you say, well, you know, I'm going to spend uh, five hundred dollars on beer this month at the bar. Okay. Well, you get to the you know the twenty ninth of the month, and you spent two hundred dollars. And you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that 300 bucks back out of what I budgeted to spend on beer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, well, you haven't spent it. Right. But, but, I mean, the fact that you did that does not change your cash statement. It doesn't right. change your cash position. That's my point. It doesn't change your cash statement at all. Yeah, it doesn't change. Yeah. The, your cash position hasn't been altered. Okay. So, um, but there is, there is a provision in this bill that says that the OMB can decide that any of these things that uh, supposedly aren't going to happen, that Biden uh, declares in his sole authority are important to the programs and uh, the delivery of services and such that, in the Biden administration's opinion, uh, need to happen, they can waive the pay provisions. Why Why um, would all the people that you have, and I, you know, of course you and I go back and forth, not so much we're not arguing, just on one hand, you see collectively a seemingly a bunch of buffoons in Congress, and yet when you talk to people individually or, or see people that get elected the first time, you're almost blown away by how how good these people seem to be. It's like, uh, you know, as you know, as much as anybody, what a soft spot I had for police because my dad was one, my grandfather was one, my, my stepfather's dad was one, my uncle was one, and yet... I think you can say, or I think I can say, that the Chicago Police Department is a disaster. Yet, I know that 95% of the people on the force are hardworking, good people. You, you should be able to say that without disparaging one versus the other, because I think, because I think both of them are true. To be honest with you, so when you when you go to Congress, why is this Congress, which is fighting at each other's throats in a lot of things, and everybody seems to have a, you know, Type A personality that's there? Why has Congress collectively denutted themselves over the last twenty years? I I don't know, but what I do know is that 
all of the alleged credit taking for fiscal responsibility that everyone was parading around and doing yesterday and will be doing today because now this bill's headed to Biden's desk. Uh, they're lying. They're not making a mistake. They're intentionally lying. Okay, this bill was 100 pages long. You know, Congress has this habit of passing these 1,000-page monstrosities that you couldn't possibly read and cross-reference. This one was 90, 98 pages, 99 pages, 100 pages, 100-page bill. Uh, took me a couple of hours to read it because an awful lot of it is, is you know, I rescind, I rescind, we rescind, you know, $10 million from this program and $15 million. And, and it's all of the form of take this this sentence, you know, the third sentence on page blah, blah, blah of this, of this law and, you know, and strike it. Okay. Um, and all of that is the essence of it is we were going to spend this money on this program because of the pandemic and the pandemic's over. We're not going to spend it. Okay, fine. But then, uh, then after this list of all of these things is this section that says, oh, by the way, if these, if the provisions that you actually have to pay for any increased spending you do, uh, if those happen to conflict with what the Biden administration believes is important to delivery of programs that he believes are important in his sole opinion that these are waivable and if he does that nobody can do anything about it well, why not just give him full spending authority and get rid of Congress I uh, <laughs> well, oh you mean like they just did yeah I mean, like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know I, I you read stuff like this and and then you just say, well, okay. And then here's the here's the really nasty part of it. Since there is no more debt ceiling for the next two years past the election, okay. Yeah. So so basically, until the inauguration of whoever the you know whoever wins, right? Um, until that happens, there is none. So. Uh, explain to me where the fiscal constraint is on the administration if they can waive paygo provisions. Where's the fiscal restraint for the next so two wh- years? so why? I guess my question is, well, I can't I can't answer that question. I'm going to say there isn't one, but why why would a Congress that the Republicans have power? Why would they ever put up with that? I, I, Chief, I absolutely. I mean, because there isn't a Republican anything. Okay, I mean, it, it, here's here's the really the really ridiculous part of this. Massey was the deciding vote to put this thing out of committee and on the floor. Once it came out of committee, it was guaranteed to pass because the Democrats, of course, are jumping with glee that there is no fiscal restraint for the next two years, basically. Right? Zero. Um, not that there isn't on paper. On paper, oh yes there is. But the fact is, there's no fiscal restraint because the president can waive it anytime well, he wants. Why do, why do uh, not to delve into politics even though we're sort of there, why does everybody, I've been a Democrat most of my whole life, now I'm, I'm wandering, I'm in the middle somewhere and, and neither party appeals to me uh, at all. Why would anybody it's like people looking at me and saying, you don't like black people. No, just because I'm white doesn't mean that... Why would anybody think that I'm a fiscal knucklehead that wants to spend everything? I'm, I'm more con- conservative money-wise than the, than the craziest Republican ever was. Well, I mean, why, why... Just... I mean, I would not blame... I would not, I would not say 
Paul Simon would spend anything he felt like, Adley Stevenson. I mean, there's a lot of Democrats that, that don't think you, that you could live spending way more than you take in every damn day. I mean, I, it's, there's some that do, but there's a hell of a lot of Republicans that'll, that'll cut taxes in the, in the face of a deficit just because just they think it's the right thing to do and they want to save money. I mean, it's, it's the same thing, right? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, the problem, the problem that we have right now is that... When you look at what happened last fiscal, and you know, and I've I've gone over this a you know, hundred times, and it, it keeps happening. The the entire deficit, all of it, if you solved the problem with CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, it would all be gone. How can how can you solve the problem when those com- those every one of those companies gives more money now to Congress than like any other industry, and well, they got everybody well, bought and uh, paid for? Well. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you set up a system when Medicare and Medicaid were, were voted into law that was based upon medical care being 4% of GDP. It's 20. But they, and, uh, Carl, they... Uh, they, they uh, by the way, the taxes didn't go up to cover that, right? Carl, when I, when I was in grad school, one of the most incredibly powerful, I'll call it a union organization, whatever you want to do, was the American Medical Association, the doctors. Yeah. These people... Have, have spanked the doctors into submission. The doctors aren't powerful at all anymore. The big hospitals and the big drug firms, they control. The, 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 if you go to a hospital, I don't think anywhere near the highest paid person to place a doctor. No, it's one of the administrators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's maybe, the administrators. Maybe, and, well, and, and you know what's, what's even worse than this, though, is that so how many times have you heard, if we didn't raise the debt ceiling, you're not going to get your Social Security check? Well, right. that's what they would do. They, 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 I mean, if, if okay, okay, but has anybody looked at the at the actual treasury statement, the end of year one, which is September? Okay, last September's treasury statement for for fiscal twenty twenty two. You know, there's a very interesting thing that happened last year. Social Security system ran about a hundred billion dollars surplus. Okay. That hasn't happened in recent years. They've been running a cash operating deficit of All right, except, around 10, except 10 11%. Don't, don't feel insulted, but I'm going to say that I'd love to see you in the White House. There's no friggin' way you get there. <laughs> well, I, I understand that, but, but, you know, but here's the thing. This conflation, you know, we have we're going to throw Granny down the stairs. By God, you know. Remember, don't do this. I'll give you an example. Remember, and I'm sure you do. Listeners probably do. Didn't California? I'm going to say 15, 20 years ago, go and try to do some kind of a balanced budget sort of thing, or an amendment, or some crap. I don't know if they ended up doing it or not, but I, but I do recall the uh, they're saying, well, if we did this. If all of a sudden we had to we had to cut spending down to where we were taking it in and we couldn't I don't know what year it was but they were during deep hack and they they said we're not going to pay teachers we're not going to pay welfare we're not going to pay something something and uh, somebody comes on TV and he goes that's not the point that's the stuff we want you to pay and gave a big list of all the stuff we don't want you to pay like salaries. <laughs> Say it was pensions for people that work like you know two years and stuff. That's the stuff we don't want to. Pay. So basically, everybody, you know I'm saying, if they came out and said, by the way, if we don't have a debt ceiling, we're gonna we're gonna stop paying. Uh, you know, pick the most ridiculous thing they do with the money, 
buying buying some crap somewhere. If they picked up right. all the stuff you and I wanted them to stop paying, you don't, you're not going to get too far with that in your marketing yet, are you? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, remember that the last time that we had this, you know, this BS go on, what, what did Obama do? It, you know, he shut down the national parks. Yeah. Right. Why? Because it screwed the public. Right. It would make people scream. And, and, you know, because you're on your way to your vacation, at whatever. Right. And all of a sudden, oops, you just spent the money to stay at the hotel, but you can't get to the park. <laughs> well, if they were to say, we're not going to send $50 million to uh, Sudan or someplace where, where 40 million of it goes into the dictator and, and only 10 makes it to the people, somebody would say, Go, that sounds like a great idea <laughs> just to stop that. If you, if you say you're going to stop giving a check to grandma, that doesn't go over so well. I mean, one has a little more cachet, shall we say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and then you have, it's uh, it, the the crazy stuff about how inflation is, you know, is coming down, it's moderating, the Federal Reserve can stop, da, 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 da. I got to tell you, last week, last week my daughter and I were down in northwest Florida where I used to live, right, you know, used to talk to you all the time from there. Yeah. I went into one of the local establishments there, probably the best steaks in the area. Um, it's an Irish pub, and it's it's just fabulous. Right? It's always been fabulous. It's been there forever. And uh, <laughs> I was blown away at the, the, the cost increases. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, blown away. I was floored. Now, I hadn't been down there in about a year and a half. I'm yeah, going to so. guess, test me, or grade me here, Professor. I'm going to say 25 to 30% higher. It was, it, yeah, it was, about, it was it, everything. That's the number okay. across the board. And as you once said on the show, the money supply was a you or hell. The money supply is up 35% in two years. That's, that's the inflation rate. That's the number you should be looking for everywhere, and that's exactly what it is. Well, and it's and the worst part of it was that the screwing came in all sorts of places that were kind of odd. So, th- this particular joint has relatively uh, tight in terms of parking. Okay, but the city runs municipal lots in that inst- right in that immediate area, I mean, literally across the street. These things for years and years and years. I still lived there for twenty years. They were free. They were just one of the city-provided services. Okay, then, you know, the city starts, you know, oh, well, you know, let's screw the tourists a little bit more. We're going stick to that, stick that knife and give it a little bit of a twist. So then they put one of those things, you know, scan your QR code on your phone, and it's a dollar an hour. Okay, that's annoyance-level stuff, right? I, I'm going to go into this, this pub with, you know, with my daughter, and we're going to have some steaks, and we're going to have some drinks. And by the time we get done, you know, Bill's going to be, well, you know, it would have been seventy-five bucks. Now it's going to be over a hundred. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, for a buck, eh, you know, rather than deal with this tight parking lot and all this, I just, yeah, I'll pay the dollar. No, 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 no. Now it's fifteen dollars flat rate. Yeah. Okay, so what would have been two bucks is now fifteen. That's not a twenty percent increase. <laughs> well, it, it's become. Uh, I went to a wedding a few years ago downtown here, and it was over at the Union League, and of course. Because it's a wedding and Union League's got some cachet, the, the place next to it is like forty-five bucks. Right. If you park on the street, it's like forty for, for that night. <laughs> I mean, it's hey, I mean, uh, real quick. We're going to be a few minutes here into the labor numbers, but uh, yeah. Nvidia. Um, it's always you know one of the one of the things that I studied in one of my economics classes at in, well in business school was how do you price stuff 
if you are an innovator in terms of, uh, you know, if I'll, I'll be trying to be real brief here. If you're, if, if you invented, I used, you know, like the hula hoop or something or whatever, the slinky. If you invent the slinky and you sit there and go, okay, now I can sell the slinky for five bucks. It cost me two bucks to make. If I sell it for four or five, nobody's going to want to build a factory tomorrow to chase me on this slinky. But if I, if I charge 10, which I probably can get away with for a while because everybody loves the damn thing, all of a sudden everybody's going to say, hey, that knucklehead's putting this thing together for two bucks and he's getting 10, we're going to get in the slinky business. So if you're smart, you want to you price yourself to where you're making some decent dough, but not so that everybody immediately wants to build a hamburger joint next to your hamburger joint. So I mean, eventually you're going to get some competition, blah, blah, blah. But now, so NVIDIA, I'm going to say, has appears to me, and I don't know anything about the business like you do, appears to me has has a lead in wherever this AI thing is going, those kinds of chips. Uh, now, my question is, and everybody's talking about that 20 years from now, you know, like Polaroid, the company, uh, they're still going to have this lead, and they're still going to be, they're going to be trading 2000 bucks and you're an idiot to ever sold a share. Uh, I'm going to say, Carl, that nobody gets the lead forever. I don't, but what I don't know about this particular industry, if you can educate me and the listeners, how big is the lead and how long is it going to take for Intel and AMD or people I don't even know right. about to close the okay. gap? All right, so here's, here's the basic deal. Uh, NVIDIA has won, won the last round of tulip mania with the crypto mining. Okay. okay. And as we took crypto mining off general purpose CPUs, like the, uh, you know, the chip that's in your laptop or your desktop that powers most stuff except for display. Uh, and the guys who were doing this figured out that they could use the language that NVIDIA's chipset uses for graphics, which is called CUDA. And those chips have a lot of parallel little data paths within them because drawing objects on a screen, uh, well, you know, if you're playing a video game, there's 4,000 objects on the screen, right? So if I've got 4,000 of these little things and each of them does a little piece of the work, they can all do it at the same time. And that is very heavily optimized for that kind of thing. Well, as it turns out, it mapped really well onto cryptocurrency mining. So that's why your graphics card that you want to buy for your computer went up in price by 300% over the last few years. Okay. Because, well, supply and demand, right? Well, it, was mean, doing, you know, it was doing got... stuff, it was, it was applicable to something other than graphics. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. So now NVIDIA seems to think that this thing is going to map onto AI processing. And that is not that is not known, okay, by any stretch of the imagination, how well that's going to happen. Because in order for AI to become democratized and to be more available, it has to be able to run on smaller pieces of equipment. And the reason that that is the case is that the training data set that goes into this thing is so huge as it stands right now, that you need very large computer resources in order to be able to do it effectively with things like ChatGPT. But as time goes on, uh, what computer science has taught us over the years is that that changes, that you can substitute uh, the, the logic of the computer processing for the data size of the analytical data set and that is going to happen. 
Okay, I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. I think it's, it's uh, you know seeing the real fruits of this is probably five or ten years down the road. However, that it will occur is absolutely something that you can bet on. The problem is because the speed of light has not been repealed and nobody ever can, you have to do this to shrink the data set so it will fit on the chip itself. Otherwise, the speed improvements and the accuracy improvements are not going to happen. So that is where it's headed. NVIDIA is working on this. Marvel's working on this. Intel's working on it. Everybody is working on this. They all have their own, you know, their own systems that they're putting together to do this. They're different. Someone's going to win this one, and someone's going to lose. Well, probably a lot of people are going to lose. Uh, someone's going to win. And I do not know who it is. NVIDIA uh, is absolutely certain that they're going to be the ones that win this. Uh, well, you know, okay. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, that tulip's got... Uh, well, the, two, the, guys who, the guys who run the place have taken the, the lead from Elon Musk, and they're like, a, they're like carnival barkers regarding their place. I, you know what? There's no evidence right now as to which direction this thing's going to go, but I, but somebody will be the one. All right. It's just that there's there are a half dozen companies that are serious chip makers. So the trick is to be able to is to able to have so much information on the chip itself that the chip doesn't have to keep going other places to get the info. Yeah, well, the, the, sort of. you have to be able to get the memory onto the chip, and then the data set you have to process has to fit in that, and that is the challenge. So that's and and one of the problems with more density in the chip is the more stuff you put in there, the faster it runs, the more heat it produces. You have to get the heat out, or it melts, and so there's there's a lot of tension in how all this stuff goes together. And that has always been the case. Hey, Carl, how about we uh, dash to break a little bit so we come back? We'll hit we'll hit the number. Andrew, take us to break and bring us back right at the uh, at uh, seven. Uh, right when the number comes out, seven thirty, if you can, even if it's a short break. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. 
Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 19, NASDAQ Futures up 40. I am real happy I have the Professor Carl here with me this morning because I got the numbers coming across the TV that they had 339,000 new jobs, which is essentially double what they uh, would be expected. Unemployment rate up to 3.7% from 3.4. Yet I look at the A1 number here, I've got 300,000 less people working, 300,000 people more more unemployed, and the number looks horrible on this side. Uh, Carl, which is the right number? Oh, <laughs> you noticed that, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, okay. So, looking at the unadjusted, which is, you know, where I uh, always go, uh, the real number is neg 73. The rate ticked, the unemployment rate ticked up three ticks, which is, uh, that's a fairly, you know, that that's a relatively large move, right? I mean, you know, we, we get a lot of ones and twos in there. Uh, threes, and eh, threes don't happen as often. Um, and, and, of course, that's going the wrong direction. Uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that if I look at this on a 12-month run basis, uh, this looks a lot worse because last month on a 12-month run basis, the ads were just over 3 million, 3.084. And this month, given this, it's now on a 12-month run basis, it's down to 2.393. That's a... That's not a small change, okay? It's about 600,000. Um, the other thing that's, that's kind of interesting is that all of a sudden, uh, magically, uh, 306,000 people uh, came off the bench. Um, I got that number even, pretty much. Yeah, well, I, again, I'm looking at the non-adjusted. Okay. okay. Uh, but, yeah, and uh, that's, that's kind of, of important. The employment population... Uh, participation ratio, is basically employment population ratio, at a gross level. That's not the one the BLS likes to trumpet, okay? Uh, that ticked down by one tick, and uh, that's uh, it's about 600,000 jobs when that moves, you know, each tick. So, I mean, but it's, but it's been trending up, so let's, I mean, you know, this is only back to where it was uh, in, in March, because you know, it was up a tick last month, now it's down a tick. So it doesn't 
when you look at it at that level, it doesn't look as bad as it otherwise would. But to say that the uh, progress is is not really kind of sort of what you might want to see, yeah, that would. Uh, well, where did this three thirty nine blowout number come from? Where we've been touting for for months now. Uh, that's the uh, I'm the Biden administration. I got twist the knob. Okay. <laughs> I you know I don't have another explanation for that. That's why I use the unadjusted household survey because everybody twists the knob and and you know people are like, well, you know, this is obviously fraudulent. I, I don't know if it is or isn't. Um, all I know is well, that... Well, is there, is there a, an unadjusted establishment survey? No. There Not just worth anything. So, really? Yeah, okay, I, mean, I, I didn't know that. I, that's, that's scary. No, the, the establishment... Well, because the establishment survey has this birth-death model in it that is a black box. Okay, and that's the problem. Is that it's... It, so the establishment survey has a fudge factor in it that is basically how many people are starting businesses versus how many people are quitting businesses. Well, what are you, uh, Kevin says, uh, said earlier in the show that in his area, he's seeing people uh, uh, laid off uh, and, and uh, their hours cut. And I was talking to, uh, Kenny Polcari was on the other day, and he said he, had, he has friends, Kenny's got friends all over, that's the kind of guy he is. He, he said he had people from, he had like three buddies, and he's got a laid off, one in Texas, one somewhere else, in the last week. I mean, is what, who, who's right here, I don't well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things I saw when we were on this trip, and, it, and this one disturbed me a little bit. So, you know, I told you we went into this bar, right? And the prices were way up. Um, there was another change. Two-thirds of the staff was J-1 visas. Okay. Um, that was never true before. It was all local people. Yeah, I don't, so, yeah, I don't know what the, all the, the Well, th- Think about this one, though, Chief. What that says is the local people can't afford to live on the wages that can be offered in this place. Did you see right. any of the uh, the small house, small apartment things Dan was talking about yesterday? And he says in it, Florida they they get these things where they're, they're sort of just designed for somebody. They're they're like the equivalent of a studio apartment in New York, where if you're going down and doing some construction work, or if you're doing something, and you're just gonna live in Florida. And, and just like work all day and eat out at McDonald's every night, it's all you need. It's the equivalent of a what? What are the what are the rooms? The hotel rooms where there's just enough room for the bed, yeah. the TV. Uh, oh, oh yeah. This is basically. I mean, you know. But the the thing with the J one people is that they're legitimate. You know, work visas. Okay, they're not resident visas. Right. They're legitimate work visas. Um, but these folks were all from um, other other than American type of uh, ethnicities they were uh, the service was on point I I mean (laughs) they're probably happier than a pig in slop because uh, you know this is much better than what they had you know wherever they were right but I'm also reasonably sure there were 10 of them living in a one bedroom apartment (laughs) well I mean look at the the Winnebago's the guys lived in up in North Dakota for the oil all those years oh I I know chief but you know what Here's, here's the problem with this okay I mean Yes, you can share this because, uh, you know, the, the, even though the inflation was crazy in the pricing, the service was on point, the food was excellent. I mean, all of all of the other aspects of things other than the money uh, was, was exactly what it was before COVID, before all the stupid, before all the price ramps, before all, you know, before all this stuff, right? Okay, fine. Except, what do you do when the people who live somewhere can't afford to live there with the wages that are offered, what uh, happens? 
Carl, it is a absolute theme of the show through four or five of my incredibly good guests. Guests is that all the numbers you hear about on TV, all the economic numbers that you and I grew up on, in terms of unemployments, in terms of recessions, in terms of things like that, aren't worth the powder to blow them up now because the, the people in recession are all working. Well, and here's and, and all right. So I'm looking through the you know through this report as we talk. All right, you know my favorite one, my favorite uh, sub breakdown in this thing is the educational attainment and where that moved in the participation rate. Okay. Um, well, guess what? Uh, high school graduates gained four ticks on a participation rate. Well, that's good. So you had oh well, yeah okay. If you had some college or an associate's degree, you lost a tick. And if you had a bachelor's degree, you lost two. And those people who didn't, who don't even have a diploma, flat. So, um, yeah, 339,000 jobs, so they claim. Uh, and none of them among college grads. Really? That's, that's interesting. Well, you know what? The number, um, all right, so that was 62929000 last month, and this month, 62857 You're fired, sir. Yep. What, uh, right. what do you make of um, the the uh, idea that, uh, I mean, you're the one who brought it up first, and I first heard it made, sound that way, where you said 20 years ago or 25 the, the, the slippage in the system was now you went to uh, two two person working two people working in the family from one but that right. was that was the slippage and now we've heard from Nancy and a couple of people that do mortgages for people and of course she never gives me any names or anything but she talks about people who now sort of have the the two and a half job you know where a guy right. works the lady works and one of them is a CPA so they do taxes for four months on Saturday and Sunday uh, for people uh, so the we're, we're reaching kind of the end of the rope here, how much people can work. The guy I talk to every Sunday morning when I get coffee at the Myers works at Myers. It goes right from there and works eight hours at Wendy's. I mean, we're kind of reaching the spot where I don't know that people can necessarily work, do much more of this. I mean, uh, I mean there's, there's obviously some people who don't work at all, uh, but then there's uh, – it's, it's kind of interesting move this, this month on these numbers. Again, they're not the same ones you're looking at. I've got 300,000 people coming right out of the last column, which is what we don't know what they do, into the unemployment column. And I always beat up on this because we're talking about 106 million people that right. aren't working. And we're saying, somehow we're saying that out of the 106, 6 million are actually looking for a job. Therefore, we're counting them as unemployed versus not, which I don't know how, the, how you possibly don't have enough noise in that number how you can tell one month to the next who's actually looking and who isn't. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that, that number being worth anything. And yet, the fact that the unemployment number has ticked up here, I'm sure that's why, I'm not sure, I'm fairly sure that that's why we're rallying here, staying, staying up, because that means the Fed now can lower, can lower rates. I mean, well, and, it, it, you know, the other thing, you, you brought up, well, okay, uh, now we've got two and a half jobs, right, instead of two jobs. Yeah. All right, well, guess what? According to the PLS... There are only 7.7 million people that have multiple jobs. That's that's such BS. I can't even go there. I. <laughs> by the way, it's up 400,000 in the last year. Um, I, I'm looking at that table right now while we're talking. Yeah, that's uh, and and uh, primary and secondary 
uh, primary job, full time, secondary job, part time is only four point four eight. Yeah, I, I, I don't uh, know where to get those you, Well, uh, you know, marijuana is legal in Illinois now, right? Yeah. So uh, somebody somebody's be smoking some something. Um, but yeah, this is I mean the idea that this is going to continue to get squeezed like this. You know, it's the thing. I mean, I don't have a problem with with you know people coming in here to you know to work on J one visas. I mean, it's 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 a legal process, right? I have an issue with that. Um, what I have an issue with is the fact that at the end of the day, uh, it seems as though what we're trying to do is squeeze people into the position where you have to have ten people living in a one bedroom apartment because the only we can afford to survive. Well, the the amount of of wealth that is landing on fewer and fewer the people i you know it's i don't yep. i don't i don't think i'm i don't think i'm jealous necessarily uh carl i'm just very fearful because from what i read the 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 record imbalance shall we say among people in this country happened basically in late 1929 right and and we know what happened after we know that what happened. It, it, it i just think it's not sustainable i mean i mean you know with this and i don't know where we're we're, we're Eric got the term the management class. I honestly don't. If if my buddy Carl invents some new chip, and he, and he has the next Nvidia, and you've got forty billion dollars, and there's you know there's five thousand people working for you, and it's a whole new industry, and those people are making money, and they've got homes, and they got kids, and they're, that that's America, Carl. That that is absolutely America to me. I, I don't this this idea that we somehow find a way to buy stock back, pump it up, and the four guys that are in charge, they got all these options that never did a thing for the place other than get their name in there. They, they, they all of a sudden sell their stuff and they make you know $4 billion on a company that never paid a dividend, and one day the stock goes back down and nobody else gets anything. I, I have a real problem with that. I mean, I don't know what I can do about it, but I mean, I, I want people to make money the way they're supposed to. And when you and when you do, it means you invented something. It means you you cut a new process. It means that that everybody advances along with you a little bit. That's that's not what's happening here. This is this is, yeah. this is something's wrong. Oh, here. oh no, you're right. And you know the interesting, you know, I, the other one that I like to look at is the average hourly and, and weekly earnings, right? And you know, I'd noted that there had been quite a stall in the people on the lower end of that scale over the last few months. Um, well, uh, uh, gee, it, it, their their weekly check did go up a little bit, uh, uh, but it's not mostly from our earnings. It's on the lower end of the scale. Uh, you're seeing, you know, leisure, hospitality, and other services, which are the two bottom categories. Uh, both of those saw uh, saw a little bit of lift in hours. So yeah, there was a little bit of a lift in in wage, but uh, you know, also in hours. And it, between those two. Uh, gee, guess what that means? It means your check's a little bit fatter at the you know at the end of the week. Uh, key being a little bit fatter. Okay, I mean a couple bucks. Uh, when inflation is running at you know thirteen percent, uh, I'm not so sure that matters all that much when you're only making five hundred thirty-five dollars a week. Well, yeah. What uh, in terms of the market? Carl, we've got this the seven stocks. You know, Kramer's magnificent seven here. Uh, oh yeah, here we go again. But it, you know, but but I. Uh, Joel was on, and Joel said, for the foreseeable future, antitrust is off the table. Everything's right. off the table. These companies are just going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and if you're not on board, you're you're just not on board. I mean, and, and it's, I'm not so sure he's not wrong 
right, wrong, I don't know what he is. Uh, clearly some years he sure as hell seems to be right, and then we had a little bit of a turn back last year, and now we're right back to the same spot. What do you, what do you make of the undercurrent of the market? Well, I, I won't want to say the real companies because that's not the right term. Uh, last year everybody wanted oil. Everybody wanted uh, consumer stuff. Everybody wanted uh, uh, you know, the you know, communication. Verizon is down. UPS is down you know, 20% over the last year and a half or so. We got 3M down, what, 50 60%. And all they do is I'm sure they make money in everything they make. Uh, Verizon, everybody bought it for the dividend. Well, the amount of stocks that are down on the year is startling considering the averages. Everybody, everybody's convinced, my clients especially, everybody's convinced that everybody in the market is making money. There can't be a bigger mistruth anywhere. What do you make of the fact that what I would consider to be some of the basic industries are going absolutely the opposite direction. Are they, I mean, is is NVIDIA going to u- own UPS someday or Verizon or something? Is it going to get that crazy? Or, or are we going to turn out to be Germany? Or, or what's the deal? No, I don't think it's. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think what it, what you have right now is you have the hype machine in overdrive, and I'm seeing it on on both sides with regards to all this AI stuff. Okay, and the reason I'm here at this conference, we're talking about that and ethics. And uh, what I see as the conundrum between it is that people are trying to anthropomorphize uh, machines in all ways. Okay, so these guardrails that people put in so that uh, you know AI doesn't uh, pick up the fact that somebody tries to poison its feedback mechanism with you know all black people are bad or something like that. Right. Problem is, we do not have the correct way of looking at that, and I don't know that we can come up with that, because it's different. It's not the same as us. And so there's a real challenge here, because if you don't, then there are a thousand applications that have nothing to do with all the craziness that's going on right now with this handful of companies. If you think about the the uses of low-level artificial intelligence, relatively low level. I mean, just as, just as one example, um, you know, you currently go through a, basically a uh, rip-your-clothes-off scanner at the airport, right, to yep. you know, figure out if you got a gun, okay, or a bomb. Right? Um, it, is, it is probably fairly easy to have a computer f- figure out uh, how to spot concealed weapons because it has a much more detailed image in a camera view than your eyes do. And it will probably, I, I think we'll be able to come up with a way to do that with extraordinary accuracy without having to slow down. So you won't have to go through a checkpoint, you just walk through an area and you're being examined by a computer and you get flagged if, you know, if you're the guy that has one. I, it, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Total Recall. There's one of those going into the train station where a guy walks through and he's got a gun in his pocket. And, bang, 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 okay. Um, but everybody else just walks through, right? And I think that kind of an application is going to show up and is and is going to change a lot of things. Some of them for the better. Um, there's privacy implications that could be very, very bad. But as long as it's confined to places where you really don't have that kind of expectation anyway, like going into an airport terminal, I'm not sure anybody cares, right? Yeah, but it's, gonna, but it's large, always going to move to the spot where people do care. 
oh, oh, you bet. And, and I mean, you know, think about all the people that have ring cameras on their house, right? So now basically the entire world becomes a surveillance stage. And, oh, by the way, applying that same kind of algorithmic thing uh, across all of that data set uh, it can turn into a huge problem because now the issue arises even on your own personal property because the guy across the street has a camera on his doorbell. Right? Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, and, and by the way, the range of that thing is not limited to his land, obviously. Uh, so, you know, there's there's all kinds of issues there. But where all the hype is today is in these these large language model systems, the chat GPT and, and analogs of the world today. And that's where the hype machine is focused. And that's where all this alleged value is showing up in this handful of stocks. And the problem with this is that we have, if, if you get in your car when you go somewhere today and you look at the car in front of you, you can read that license plate, okay? Now, without turning your head or moving your eyeballs, tell me what the license plate of the vehicle in the next lane over is. You can't read it. In order for you to be able to read it, you have to look at it. The tree that is on the side of the road you do not actually see with any kind of detail whatsoever. Your brain invents that. And that's just the way human vision works. Now, a dash cam on your car, however, can see, you know, 135 degrees, completely sharp, 100% in focus for the entire image see, that, all that, the time. See, that's where you're wrong in Chicago. we got 90 bazillion cameras and they see nothing. Well, that's because nobody pays any attention to it. I'm just saying, so, but I'm saying if you have a dash cam in your car, okay, um, that image, that if you pull that card out and you look at it, it is sharp and in focus from one corner to the other. It doesn't matter whether the vehicle is right. directly in front of you or the left or right. Okay. Now, how come it is that you can drive your Suburban down the street and yet with a hundred times the sharp, resolvable data, we we have not been able to make an autonomous driving vehicle that doesn't ram fire engines. Well, I mean, there's, and, there's and, certain logic that, that people have that I guess we don't have enough respect for. Well, no, the, the yeah. point is this. The machine doesn't think the way you do, and it never will. And, you know, the, the things that we think are easy are are virtually and maybe completely impossible for the computer, and yet the things that we think are hard... For example, your risk of being killed in a car wreck is about 1 in 8,000. If you were a healthy individual over the last three years, your risk of being killed by you-know-what uh, was much less than that, yet you did not freak out about going to the grocery store to get some food, although statistically you were far more likely to get killed doing that than you were from this. Well, people would still rather drive than fly, even though one's obviously safer than the other. Well, I understand that, yeah. but, you know, but, here's the, but here's the thing, Chief. We're terrible as humans at looking at relatively improbable but high-risk bad things that can happen, right? And analyzing that and saying, this one's more dangerous than that one and, you know, and rating it that way. We're horrible at it. A computer can give you an exact answer as to exactly what the odds are of, you know, of this bad thing befalling you and screwing you. And it will never be wrong. It's right. Period. But we are terrible at looking at information and coming up with that same answer. We all we almost always get it wrong, and it doesn't matter what the issue is. We, when it comes to that kind of thing, we almost always get it wrong. And yet, at the same time, I can drive a vehicle, 
but the computer cannot manage to do it. Okay, despite all the work we put into it, the computer can't do it. So we we have this disconnect in these large language models and in these these systems that say somehow we're going to be able to solve the bias problems, the this problem, the whatever it is, and and then magically somehow this thing is going to take over 50% of the lower level jobs in America and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> oh, by the way, not if you're one of the people who gets displaced, but NVIDIA is going yeah. to make you know, $5 trillion, right? right. Okay. Um, BS, because we haven't solved that problem in terms of the, the difference between machines and humans. I'm not sure that we have a framework in our mental process to be able to put guardrails in that can, can fix that. Um, however, what I do know is this. Uh, if you're a coder and you're not really very good at it, all you do is grab pieces of software off Stack Overflow and teach them, you know, put them together. Yeah, you're going to be out of job because the AI can do it faster than you can do it and, we, and it can do that right now. All right? But what I also know is that for me, that same thing can't write the kind of code that I write. But what it can do is cut my search time for, okay, what are the parameters for this function call to do this in this library? I have to scroll down and it might take me, you know, two, three minutes to find it. Um, the AI can give me that answer in five seconds. So now I can write more code in the same amount of time. And oh, by the way, uh, that's called productivity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that means that instead of charging people four hundred dollars an hour, I can charge five because I produce more stuff in less time. Well, that that you know, I, I'm going to take some of that money from you when you want me to do that work. Um. So it is as an assistant. You know, this is how we've done things throughout the ages. It is why you have a car. It is why you have a coffee maker. It's why we have buildings electricity, lights, all that stuff, somebody ended up on the short end of the stick. And in many cases, what we have is an economy where in, in many fields, particularly when it comes to programming and things like this in the, in the technology age, uh, a, a huge percentage of those people are simply not worth the six-figure salaries objectively because they really aren't very good. Really what they're doing is cribbing off other people's stuff and assembling it, and they know how to do it, and you don't, and that's that's why they get the money. There isn't any creative process going on there, though. Okay, what, and, uh, we had a couple of minutes. What, when does, we, we've seen certain parts of the economy, or stock market, not the economy, reach out fast, then the rest of, this, rest of the parts, something gets in vogue, something gets out of vogue, and then one, and sometimes it comes back the other way, or usually does. I mean, I, I was talking about... Uh, one of my guys I work with called yesterday and says, you know, his Verizon's up to like a 6.5% dividend or something. I didn't check it, but I'm taking his right. word for it. So I'm looking at it. It's down another 5% today. The stock. I mean, it, it, at some point, does somebody want to pick up the, the UPSs, the Verizons, the 3Ms of the world and, and sell the other stuff? Or is there, are these other guys always going to be way on top? I mean, Microsoft... Uh, no, this, this is going to blow up in it. It, it. These guys, someone's going to win, and they're going to make a lot of money. Okay. But no, it's not going to be the the leaders of the new world. Remember that from Kramer? Yeah. I also remember yeah. when I first came down here, and I couldn't find I can't even find it on the internet. I'm sure it's someplace. I remember the Morgan Stanley Nifty 50. Oh, yeah, that one too. And and you know what? All of this, it works until it doesn't. 
this is this is yet another step forward in terms of technology and computerization. Uh, there will be winners, there will be losers, but anybody that thinks that they know who the winners are going to be at this point, you're crazy. You, no, you don't. Um, however, everyone's betting on you know this bunch of them today. Well, what do you, we had this thirty six? A real quick comment. We'll talk more about it next week. I, I'm starting to have a little more. I won't say appreciation. I'll say more, uh, maybe horrible, horrible respect for the companies like Microsoft. And when I say like, there's not very many are. They, they seem like they're in a vogue that anybody who comes up with anything, they just go buy them. There's no fear of antitrust. They're going to be able to borrow money less than anybody else, seemingly forever. I don't. I'm not sure unless they really, really bleep it up by management and just gets really sloppy or something like ha- has happened other places. I'm not so sure that they can't continue to. I don't know how you compete with them. I don't know, and I, you know, I mean, one of the, you know, just as an aside related to that, uh, you want to go online and use an online dating app. Well, guess what? They're all owned by one company. Yeah. And so, and and the way that they've done that is, of course, anytime that anybody tries to set up something else, they either buy them or they destroy them. And Microsoft, of course, has done the same thing. Amazon's done. Amazon Marketplace yeah. essentially trashed all the little retailers that were selling online. Yep. Hey, a quick question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. If you decide you want to reach out and find a new significant other, are you going to use Rural Match now that you're in Tennessee? Oh, good God. <laughs> I, I think that whole thing is, is more scam than anything else because the problem is, uh, guess what? Since they're all owned by the same company, do you really think any of those profiles are actually real? I don't know. Or, I, uh, or they I, just steal them off one of the other sides. Actually, you know what? I, I know a lady, terrific, uh, broke up with her boyfriend. She's taller, very attractive, uh, and she went on tall match and met some guy, and they're doing great. Well, uh, you know, hey, I'm not saying it can't work. I could see you. I'm just, saying, I could I'm, just see, saying, I'm just saying the odds, I think, are not in your favor. I could see some <laughs> lady who maybe is a widow or something, just divorced, you know, 50,000 acres of something, something in in, a, in Tennessee, someplace you don't even know, big, huge farm, all of a sudden finding you, and uh, you can be like uh, Eddie Albert, Green Acres. Well, you know, that might not be terrible. on that note have a nice weekend buddy SP Futures up 23 Nancy Futures up 47 we like the numbers although we're kind of confused by them Uh, back on Monday Stocks and Jocks Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures go to PTISecurities.com PTI Pro Direct trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract learn more at PTIProDirect.com Nadex Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.